Morning, everybody. We're going to go ahead and get started. Uh, my name is David Wheat, for those of you that don't know me. Uh, this is week two of this class. Uh, we'll do a really quick summary of week one in a minute. Uh, not much, just tops of trees. Does anyone remember what I said we were going to cover this week? It was very specific. Had a number. Remember? 100% of Jesus' teachings on prayer. We're going to cover that, but probably this week about 50%, and next week about 50%. So I hope that doesn't count as uh, me uh, misleading uh, the class. Let's, let's go ahead and open with a prayer. God, we're just so grateful for this day of life. Uh, and we're grateful for your presence in your word, Father. We pray that we will be uh, courageous enough to follow your teachings. We pray these things in your son's name. Amen. All right, so if you're new to the class, if it's your first time, uh, we're, it's not per se a class on every scripture about prayer, uh, although today will be very much like that format. It's about looking at possible traditions that have evolved over time that we use to pray or that are part of our prayer life. And um, so when I say respectfully honest, uh, uh, that's, um, you know, most of our traditions in, in anything we do, family, culture, church, probably got started by well-meaning people. And in the church on teachings, it probably got started by well-meaning people who found something in Scripture that they, that they applied and, and then sort of decided what that meant and then decided to do things a certain way. Um, but one of the reasons I wanted to have the class is I made the point last week that um, tradition is a funny thing. Um, they can start really easily, like really easily, shockingly easily. We, we talked about some things um, uh, last week. But there, there's really, especially in a church setting, no real forum or time or place where we say, hey, let's, rev- let's review. <laughs> what, what if we kind of like, you know, glommed on to this snowball that's going down the hill of, of extra traditions and, you know, can we kind of pare it back or... Are, are there things that have outlived their time and place? Or, hey, no, these are great, and, you know, really all we're doing, if we were able to do that, would be reevaluating maybe past or slightly ancient traditions and starting new ones. I mean, I'm not, you know, we would, tradition is necessary. We'll talk about that in a minute. But, um, so we're going to try to be respectfully honest. Looks like I'm out of Bluetooth range. Perfect. All right, so we'll do it the old-fashioned way. So, you know, the, you know, I, this is not a hey, all traditions ever done by man are stupid and bad. Oh, no, wait, are bad. They, we don't use the word stupid in this class <laughs> because four-year-olds will call you out on it when they're attending the class, uh, and they're right to do. They're right to do so. So it's it's that it 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 is a fundamental way of how human beings approach life. In, in every context, I can tell you in your work context, in your social context, in your city, in your state, in your country, um, they, they're just a fundamental way of how I think we're made this way. I think we're made to sort of have to create touchstones and milestones and things that we can rely on that are, um, see if I can do this again. Nope. Okay. So I'll stand over here. So the tradition of the week just going to see if I can do this every week. They're not necessarily church traditions. In fact, they're not. Uh, this one's a runner-up. Daylight savings time. 
Um, it's tech, it couldn't it couldn't win the award because it is actually yeah this is a Princess Bride reference. What's the name of the machine? What's the name of does the machine have a name that sucks the life out of you really slowly? I know I know I, the only thing I know is this guy's actor's name is Christopher Guest. I don't know why I know that. Um, but anyway, so I, this couldn't win the award because it is law. So we talked last week and we'll talk about this in a minute. It's a law, so it couldn't win the award. But this, and I apologize if this is offensive. My 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 kryptonite, my fatal flaw is being too specific, so I don't give vague examples, I give real ones. The thing that we've done only in America that uh, will never ever end and that I don't fully understand is this, cheerleaders. I just don't get it. Um, by the way, uh, so this is so American, did you know that? Yeah, I mean it spread to Mexico and Canada more on the competition level, but you will not find cheerleaders. Like, ever seen a cheerleader at a soccer game, a European soccer game? Not unless they said, hey, those Americans have a great idea, you know. So anyway, uh, apologies to former cheerleaders and who, like, had the best experience ever. I, I really do apologize. <laughs> so, but, uh, uh, you know, also, if you don't know me, I make up my own statistics. It's super handy. Uh, here's, and, and because I make them up, and I usually try to make them in a way that they can't possibly be disproved. So here's my David Wheat made-up statistic. I always try to call him. Uh, in the history of all sporting events, no outcome was decided by the quality of the cheerleading. <laughs> right, so just, just want to put that out there. All right, moving on. So I put up this slide last week, and just to review it, the, the, the problem with tradition is that they often evolve into things which can cause harm, division, or distinction. So... You know, start off as a preference, and they say, oh, I prefer this way, and you prefer that way, and we're different. And, you know, I guess that's okay. And then we do it for a long time, and it becomes a tradition, and we say, well, you don't do the tradition the way we do the tradition, and so you're wrong, and I'm right. And then it gets to the point where it's law. We judge people based on how they're doing things that if we could step back from them, they would probably fall into the category of tradition, but we've been doing them so long and don't know any other way, and we learned them probably when we were tiny, that they feel the, like the only right way. If you ever get a chance um, you know, to visit another faith tradition on a Sunday morning, you, this is a really good way to find out how, where you fall on some of this stuff. Um, because they'll just do things differently. Uh, for example... Uh, Went to a church. Uh, anyone ever gone to a church where they have the kind of pre-made communion cup with a lid and the little wafer cracker on the top of it? Both at once? Yep. Have you ever gone to a church that has those in kind of a bucket or a bin at the front when you go into the auditorium and says, hey, if you want to take the Lord's Supper today, feel free. And you take it. And sometime in the worship service... Uh, you just do that, and it's got a little card. It's got a little card with it to help you think about it. Everyone ever been in a church like that? Church in Indianapolis that Kathy and I went to does it that way. And again, like right now, like right in here, something's flaring up in a lot of you. <laughs> you know, and and I'm not saying not just because I give an example doesn't mean I think it's best or rightest or anything. I'm just saying, well-meaning followers of Christ have looked at things and come to two different paths on our tradition and the manner in which we do things. Um, and, and 
And, and essentially, I'm saying there's nothing wrong with that until it gets to here and it divides and, dis- and dis- makes distinctions and we start to harm one another. We start to say things. We start to judge one another because things are different. So, um, so we're going to talk today and probably next week about the teachings of Jesus. Now, I'm going to define the teachings of Jesus. So there's what I would call definitely teaching. Just definitely feels like teaching to me. And then there are things that I would say permission. That is, I can't say that Jesus is saying always do things this way. But if he did things a certain way, I think we can. But I wouldn't say it's a do and do not. There are some do and do not teachings. And then there's casual mention. Uh, you know, when they're, when they're having trouble, the uh, uh, disciples are having trouble casting out a demon. Jesus said, right, this kind can only come out with prayer. So I personally don't know what that means. Two, uh, don't think it's a teaching. Um, and maybe it's permission in a demon possession scenario, probably. But so here's what I here's what I think I'm thinking in this class, and I'm going to try to show you. Most traditions around prayer and things we do come from verses that I think are a casual mention. We talked last week about where bowing our heads came from, and the, you can Google it like I did. The nearest we can come is the parable of the Pharisee who is proud of himself and glad he's not like the tax collector. And the tax collector is humble and wouldn't even look up to heaven. Instead, beat his breast and said, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. So unfortunately, it feels like the thing we took away from there is the casual mention instead of the humble heart. And we said, I can do that. I can do that every time. I'll take that. Yes, please. Thank you for the verse. And the thing about how about this attitude of like being repentant for our sins to the point of really not able to look God in the eye. And I'm not saying we don't teach that. I'm saying we sort of take the casual mention and embed it sometimes in tradition. And we forget the weightier matters of the law. And we're tithing our Menton, Dill, and Cumin a little bit. That's a theory. Uh, We'll see if it, it weighs up as we go. So definitely teaching. Hashtag IMO. Um, we're, we're going to, so there's not, it's not like a sequential thing. I've tried to kind of group things a little bit, but it's hard. So we'll see how this works. Uh, let me catch up on my papers so I can keep track on there. So this is not a verse about prayer, but it's important to give you the context of Matthew six. Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, we have no reward from your father in heaven. By the way, just quickly, what are rewards from heaven? What? Being with God. Uh, well, so being with God in heaven? M- yeah, well, maybe. I- I'm not sure about that. I-, I think it's talking about like today, before you die. What, are, what would be another word for rewards from heaven? I, that's, what I, that's exactly what I thought. I thought blessings. You will not be blessed. I, I think it means your prayer will not, you know, your, your righteousness won't do, you won't get anything from God from that righteousness. No blessing. I think, I don't know. It's not the main point I don't want to linger on, but that's the principle of two or three of these verses that we're about to look at from Matthew 6. And I think it's really important that we kind of start with that. So before I do that, I put this slide up last week, and it's really important in this class that we 
we try um, not to always see ourselves as heroes in Scripture. That we can be any person or group in Scripture. And I've highlighted hypocrites, Pharisees, and pagans because we're about to see those words. And it's so easy for our brain to say, not me, not me, not me. Boy, those people sure did some things wrong. And I bet they learned a lot when Jesus told them this. But you can be, I have been, all of these things. I've been the ungrateful nine lepers that, like, got blessed by God, said nothing. Like, it took me a while to realize, you know. You can be all of these. And if we don't, if we can't be, if we look at Pharisee, that cannot be me. Or a pagan, a Wiccan, if you will. We're going to say, not me. And we're going to, we're going to miss that Jesus is using principles uh, and, and saying, don't be like them. And we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute. So let's, let's be open that these passages can apply to us today, you specifically, Metal Ark as a church. Let's just be open to it and see if we can learn from that. If you have a comment, please. I do have some slides that are, like, are for your comments, but anytime you want. So, Matthew 6, 5-6. through 6. When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites because they love to pray, standing in the synagogue and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. They get nothing extra from God. They've gotten attention from people, done and dusted. Full stop. I'm using British references a lot. I do too many British TV shows. Um, period is how we say that in America, not full stop. Truly, I tell you, they've received their reward in full. But when you pray, this is a do not and a do. This is definitely teaching, I think. This is definitely teaching on prayer. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who's unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. Okay? So, we're going to... I'm going to... This is the question we're going to have next. What is Jesus teaching us? I'm going to put it back up and ask you. What is Jesus teaching us in this passage? <laughs> Don't be a showman. Don't be a showman. So, was that a first century Pharisee only temptation? No. No. It's a human being condition, isn't it? Right. Standing out, getting credit, being religious, saying a great prayer, saying it visibly. Heather? Right. And that—that's just over and over. And Jesus' teaching is, you know, we have to have it right in our hearts. Right. Any other thoughts, Christy? Yeah. Yeah, that's, so that, that is the function of this class, is to ask those questions. And by the way, I, I'm not claiming we'll fully answer them, but we will certainly, hopefully, think about them. So, so and, and we are going to talk about praying for others. 
uh, in a class? No, no, you're perfect. You know, what should we say when we're praying for it? Should we go to them and say, I, you've really been on my heart. I've been praying for you. And I think I heard Steve kind of say, well, well, what's your motivation? You know, if it's uh, I'm righteous, it's it's this. If it's the we have a relationship and you need concern and support and I love you, it's different. Right. Yeah. Kathy. Yeah. But it's in a specific type of context. When you're um, when when you personally are going to commune with God, whether it's through humility, you know, the motivation but you know elders prayed with Paul yep. would have been in on the beach or wherever it was that they were right. Yeah, Nathan, I I'll follow up on that too, yeah. Right. Um, for them to do it, to be seen by others. And I think there's lots of different kinds of prayer, but we can also apply that to other religious teachings that we do. Right. So they like that. Yeah, and, and I skipped over the verse on giving, you know, and fasting, which are right along those same lines. It's it's not just about prayer. And, and Kathy's right. There, there's examples of people, you know, praying for each other's inner group. So... This is not a law that says your room is the only place you can pray. I don't believe. Um, because Jesus is saying, instead of this, do it like this. You know, it's, you know the, the prayer, your attitude should be, I'm in my room. The, he even emphasizes the door is closed. There's no chance I'll be tempted to like let people hear you know, or, or see me. So I don't think it's a law about that. And I don't think it's a law about praying in the synagogue. They prayed in the synagogues. So there's a principle there. Hey, Corey? Yeah, I was looking at the word reward. Mm -hmm. And it says it's something that's bestowed by God and it's for wages for hard work. And I was thinking about everything that's bestowed to us by God. Like we think we somehow control our relationship with Him, but really our relationship with Him is a reward to us. It's like a gift to us. And so, kind of like Heather said, like that heart, like if you're replacing. Instead of just doing things for your relationship with God, if you're doing it for your relationship with man, whether that's for them to, you know, see you doing something religious or whatever, then I think you're losing the reward because you're losing the reward of that relationship right. with God. And so it seems like it's tied more just to relationship with him, like not to get bogged down in like, 
can I say to someone I pray for them or can I not? Or like, I, I don't, I think that's getting bogged down. I think it's what are you, what is it doing for your relationship with God? Right. And I, I, I agree with you. I think the, but the, there's two sides of that coin. There's my relationship to others and what they think about me and my relationship to God. I think this past saying those are in 180 degree tension with each other. They can't both be true. You know, so, so in, you know, focusing on relationship with God and what prayer is for helps us for sure to keep that in front of our mind. Sue? Oh, in the same sermon, <coughs> Jesus said, let your righteousness be seen by you. Mm-hmm. Shine your light. <laughs> I think that he's saying you, you live for me all the time. You don't go out. You don't figure, where shall I pray that the most people will see me? Right. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we are. We're not to be ashamed of shining our light. We're not ashamed to be um, doing good works for others. Motivation and you know that that thought process before and who will see me is at the core. Dane. Right. But I guess that's that's not what's saying whatsoever. Right. So how does how, how do you think that comes into play of whether God listens? Because it's really talking about reward, right? Not that He'll answer your prayer. Yeah, fair point. I, uh, you know, is is it is it that blessing back that Corey talks about of just the communion, the, the you know, the communication with God, or is it that your prayer is not heard at all? I. Anyone else want to answer that? It, it feels like your reward in full is kind of addressing that a little bit, and I'm, you know, I'm with you. Maybe, you know, he, so we'll talk about maybe what pray, hearing a prayer means. I mean, God hears, I think, everything. So, versus considering it as something He's going to act on, Kathy. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The hypocrite word, Steve. Right. But I'm going to, but yeah, I don't want to do it righteously in front of you, but I do want to post it on social media. Yeah. Yeah. I, I really appreciate the, the thoughts. And so I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to summarize and some of it, I think will cover what you've said. And some of it's definitely my own. Um, human beings always have the temptation to be noticed, to be special, uh, to be perceived in certain ways. And the group that you're in 
determines what is valued. And in a church and spiritual context, that's spirituality and righteousness. And so church people who are human beings, which may include you and certainly includes me, have this temptation. If we don't think we do, we're probably in trouble a little bit. So how we pray when we are visible to others, whether it's praying, praying with one person across the table or in an auditorium leading a prayer, is you know, this is something to be aware of, that, um, that we, we may have this temptation. So the next passage... So wait, I want to... So I appreciate the, that you looked up the word reward there. I'm going to put a moratorium on this slide of looking up anything if you don't mind. So let's pretend like we're Metal Ark uh, circa 1919, okay? Just for a minute, and I'll, I'll tell you why. And all we have is, your, is you know, KJV, whatever. It's on, it's on your lap, and we're coming to this path. I'll tell you why in a minute. So don't look anything up, except in your Bible, because I have to be able to allow that, or else I'd be... So... When you pray, do not keep on babbling. Uh, the, the, the New American, I think New American Standard says meaningless repetition like pagans. For they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. So, um, and again, you know, this passage, you know, what is Jesus teaching in this passage? Oops, I went back too far. Wait, wait, wait. I want to do the next one. I apologize. It's a two sl- so we'll come back to this. Also in Mark 12, and he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show, make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. So again, we've got these two kind of Related, this one talks about many words and repetition. This one talks about uh, making a show with lengthy prayers. So, what what do you think we're supposed to learn from that? Keep it simple. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Which is a really simple answer. So you did really a whole thing there. Keep it simple. Kiss. Only we can't say the final S and kiss, right? And so, okay. Anyone else have any thoughts about that, Carla? Appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Katie? I think it's almost exactly like this first teaching that we looked at. Mm-hmm. The humility. If you're talking to all the same prayers, like you're saying that 
right? Yeah, there's definitely in the second verse a showiness, which ties very clearly back to the first passage we looked at. Yeah, Tara? Right. Yeah, and I would add, I'd add to that, even if you don't write your prayers down in a prayer book and say them over and over, you can still be repeti- you can still repeat the same prayer in the same format, you know, mm-hmm. just verbatim. It's just not written down. You know, we just are doing it over and over. That's certainly part of it. Yeah, Corey? Yeah, a lot. A lot of these comments are are, and I'm, are perfect, and they're gonna we're gonna delve into them a little bit more in some coming classes, uh, uh, like like that. And um, you know, if two people pray or a thousand people are praying, you know, is there a volume discount with God on prayer? And so we're, we we have to think about those things. And if I and we're, by the way, there's verses about praying a lot in a minute. And we'll try to balance those things. Um, so maybe there is a distinction between meaningless repetition and meaningful repetition. And I think we, we're going to come back to a point you made, Corey, which is really good. When I asked last week, what is prayer? Um, I, I've got, you know, I've got some thoughts on that. Who is prayer really for? And we'll talk about that some too. Heather? Let's talk about that. Um, by, by the way, before we do, um, does anyone want to share the shortest prayer they ever prayed? No. I, I think we all prayed the same one. It's either something like, God, help me. End. Or, please God, no. Or, Please God. Or what? Wow. <laughs> or, or or wow with with the mind open to you're talking to God. Uh, that's that wins. It can't get shorter than one word, three letters. I don't think. Um, so now I'd like you to say, you I, I'm, you don't have shows. You can probably remember specific moments in your life you prayed that. Meaning it was powerful in the event in your life. And what you prayed. 
And I will tell you, in my opinion, I think that's the purest prayer of all. Purest. There's no temptation. You're not doing it for anybody. You are crying out to God in relationship for help. And we have kept it simple. And there is definitely a teaching here about keeping it simple. It is unavoidable. And also, we have a hard time as human beings not overcomplicating everything. I was going to take a photo of the steering wheel and the column of my new 2018 Subaru Outback and say, we have complicated everything. I mean, I can do 50 different functions on my steering wheel. And I mean, I still don't know what some of the buttons do, Seth. So, you know, and it's great, but it's also complex. And we compound complexity as human beings. So I believe that there is definitely something about God asking us to cut down on the words because we are doing it for ourselves or for others and He doesn't need it and He wants it to be a pure relationship. He wants us to cry out in... By the way, the, the other prayer that you've prayed that's really short is thank you, God, or oh, God. You've walked across... You've seen a sunset and you've said, God, and not even finished it. You know what I mean? They, they go both ways, but we certainly remember the times in our needs. So we, we have got to remember that. We're going to talk about that at length in another class on public prayer. Um, just as an as a, as a exercise for that, and we're rapidly running out of time. How long do you think you can listen with your eyes closed to someone else pray in seconds or minutes before you are not sure... You're not paying attention anymore. Just think about it, because we're going to come back to that. And we're probably going to do an experiment and see what it is. Um, and probably it's different for some of us. Um, you know, and, and, and what we're kind of what we're doing there. But I think that's pretty important from a public context for sure. So then Jesus goes on to say, and, and by the way, he, this is after Jesus finished praying. They said, teach us to pray. So by the way, if they'd been right there with him praying, they would have known how to pray. I think he was off praying. He came back and said, hey, what are you doing when you go do that thing? And he said, well, this is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. End of prayer. I think it's 53 words. Someone's going to check me on that. I don't know. It might be 53 words. Um, and then he says this. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Is the bottom passage related to the top part of the passage? Seems to be. Four. I'm not... Is he starting a new topic or is he still talking about how you should pray? I need a little help there. What do you guys think? Right. Yeah, that's a close connection. Sure. Well, that word 
I think it is too. It's like a therefore or a for. It seems to be connected. So here's what I take from that. Here's how you should pray. And there's a thing I'd like to emphasize that I said in that prayer. I'd like to talk more about that and teach more about that. He didn't teach more in this context about being thankful for our daily bread. He didn't teach more in this context about making sure you're really praising God a lot and talking about His kingdom. He didn't really talk a lot in this context about staying away from temptation. The one thing He chose to talk more about is forgiving others in your prayer life. I am, I am terrible at this. I was you know, preparing for this class and thought, I don't like this slide at all. I don't like this slide at all because I, you know, that is not a big part of my prayer life. It's just not. And I, I think, so what I'm learning from this is Jesus said it needs to be. And again, you know, we can, we can pray this prayer. By the way, I think it's fine to pray this prayer if you ever need a prayer and you just want to come here and read it. I think it's fine. He's telling us a manner in which to pray, not creating a liturgy. Or, or a tradition. He's giving us a principle. What else do you see in this, though? Is, is this teaching on prayer, the prayer itself and, and this passage, anything else that you see that you think he's trying to teach us? Daniel? Um, what you said about forgiveness, that line is the only line that has anything to do with me. Right? The rest of it is like directed towards God. And this one is, forgive me because I did the thing that you told me to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's interesting in the and in the context of not doing your prayers um, to be seen by other men, but like there is a thing that Jesus says you need to do this in order that in order for you to be able to pray or for or for God to be able to forgive you, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's that's the only one that says uh, it says forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtors, which is a kind of like um, counter to a lot of on like, you know, you don't need to do anything mm-hmm. to communicate with God or to deserve God's love. And that's partially true, but Jesus is also telling us you have to forgive people if you want God to forgive you. Right, this, this idea that grace is always present no matter what you do, say, think, or pray is got elements of truth to it that we not don't want to ignore, but it's can be we can override God's forgiveness and grace. And I don't mean necessarily the, you know, maybe it comes back to reward and blessing. But there are things that we, and I, it's a whole other class and we won't cover it in this prayer class, but there seems to be a connection between our forgiveness of others and God's willingness to forgive us. There seems to be a connection. Um, and I, that's probably mildly controversial, I, I guess, but I don't know how else to interpret that verse. Nicole? Right. But we can definitely throw it away. Right. And so it's not saying that you're earning You're not working your way towards it. Working your way towards it. Yeah. Well, I want it, I'm not willing to give it. Right. That's a good way to say it, I think. Yeah, that's a really good clarification, Nicole. We're not this is not don't turn this into a work. Don't turn this passage into a work of I had a really bad week sin wise, so who are some people I can think of forgiving, you know, so that I can, you know, kind of just get that extra Measure of grace. Yeah, was there another hand over here? Yeah, Randall? Well, I look at verse 8. God knows what we're going to eat before we ask. Yeah, I meant, to, I meant to go back to that. Yeah. And so, what do we do with that, Randall? Well, if he's concerned about a sparrow and knows what happens to it, and we're 
theological than the Pharaoh, but he certainly knows what our needs are. Yeah. The thing that stands out to me is uh, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Mm-hmm. And that seems to be the one thing that he really emphasizes. One thing that we need is to be a forgiving people. Right. He knows all these other things that we need. He knows about the bread and the shelter and things like that that we need. But uh, I think there's a again there are four uh, on the following. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. I think he knew that in that sample prayer, that was going to be the hardest thing for us. That's what I think. So, so, so back to this passage. If God knows what we need before we ask him, do we even need to pray? Why do we pray if God already knows? I've dealt with this a lot, and I've struggled with this. And I, I've come to so many conclusions that I just feel like prayer is so much more for me. It helps me come to terms with what God's will is. And because so many times I'll be praying, and I'll be like, God, I want this, I want this. But that's not really what he, that's not really what prayer is for. Mm -hmm. It should be that we're aligning our will with God's and realizing what he wants from us and praying that our will will line up. Yeah, I, I've come to that conclusion, too, that that prayer is mostly for us. It's therapy. In a, in a, in a way, I don't fully understand it. Yeah, Nathan? I'm always telling my father son to use his words. And I usually know what he wants. Yeah. Um, and I definitely know what he needs. But I still want him to tell me how he's feeling and not just want Yep. Um, and I think that's a simplified version of how you can know all those things. But God, an amazing thing is that God desires a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. And whenever we see God asking human beings for shallow things, like money and giving, and we always, you know, we've said a million times, God doesn't need our money. You know, okay. You know, you know, all those acts benefit our heart when we do them in accordance with God, when we obey God, when we, when we do it because of relationship. We, we are blessed. We are rewarded, I believe. Not, not because we're going for that, just because we love God and we do what He says. And, and you know, clearly God says pray, pray a lot. We'll come to it next week because we're running out of time. We're out of time. But next week, first opening passage is like pray a lot. Be persistent in prayer. Don't give up. And we'll kind of put all those things together about, you know, pr- praying once versus, you know, a million versus uh, whatever. And before we do that, did someone else have a comment? I, I thought I saw a hand.
Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. So we'll wrap up. I'm, I'm not going to spend too much time on this slide, but I wanted to... So just real quickly, um, there's a different word for giving thanks that's used this amount of times in the Bible with Anna. We'll talk about it next week, but I want to tell you that because for homework, I would like you to look through the Gospels uh, and find a time where Jesus led a prayer, led a prayer, like in our context that wasn't giving thanks, that wasn't a food. It's a different word. It's, it's like Eucharisto or something like that. Um, and I'll come back next week and tell you why I didn't want to use study aids for the pagan verse. And I'll try to remember that. But see if in the Gospels you can find... There might be one. I'm not saying I have the answer. Uh, find a time where Jesus led what we would classically call a public prayer that wasn't thanks before food. That's, okay, flowchart. I'll send out an email with the flowchart of looking for. Okay, thank you for your time today. We'll see you next week.